uh the magic of metaphors the magic of metaphors welcome to our 44th episode epilogue uh yeah this one is this one is amazing this one is impactful and if you would notice the alignment um again just you know being in alignment being on time with time which you know is a construct you, you can align yourself to it or you could be out of alignment with it and i think that that's evident um today is three five is march 5th which reads three five and it's our 44th epilogue or episode if you will you know and that's amazing how them those eights line up now when you take a look at three five you know what's the number missing between three and five you know that that would be four um and when we look at that particular number and we understand numbers to be shapes right at least i do you know when i when i hear numbers i always envision or draw the the symbol of a shape in my mind you know what i'm saying so a four would be like four boxes or four squares you know what i'm saying four units if you will and all of those units have their own level of dimensionality you know four is the first number that somewhat for the most part can mirror itself in the in the term in the in the realm of material you know two is a multiplier automatically but it brings you about four dimensionalities you know what i'm saying so when i hear four i see a whole nother four as the mirror so it's interesting you know that the number between three and five is four and that number mirrors itself or multiplies itself or duplicates itself you know what i'm saying even when we're looking at uh the 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 fetus the human body you know how we were constructed when we started going into uh the level of multiplication of our cells that denote light life uh you had to get to that fourth and then you jump to the eighth you know even in kemet when he speak about the creation of the of, of reality of the universe and everything they speak about the Ogdod, you know those eight initial um deities or entities who were separated four masculine four feminine um when you go to the what's called the um 48 laws of power you know the 44th law is dealing with the mirror effect the multiplicity factor and you know just a real quick uh just some real quick information about my journey um dealing with the number 44 as it applies to these studies you know a lot of what i'm doing um searching for all, my own personal knowledge itself you know what i'm saying uh, attempting to get some answers to questions that were never personally answered for me especially dealing with the realm of religion i had to i had to research my namesake um which is paul that's the name that my mama gave me and in that in that research and in that inquiry hold on 
Can y'all hear me on um YouTube? Just give me one second, y'all. Make sure that I'm broadcasting over there like I'm supposed to. Y'all hear me over here. You crystal clear. Okay. I bet. Uh, So when I started looking up the namesake, Paul, I found out that um, I found a few things out. One of the most profound things was that he started his mission in Antioch, which we now know is, is, you know, between Syria and Turkey, if you will. Um, The Antioch mission started in 44 A.D., and I thought that that was profound, um, a profound synchronicity. But when I started reading into Paul and a lot more of the letters of Paul, um, I started seeing a lot more, you know, I started seeing a lot more interesting synchronicities, especially dealing with the number 44 in, in the Bible, the way that the text was coded in chapters that were attributed to him and books that were attributed to him you know there was a lot of coding that he was doing with the number 44 in the in the letters that he had written 14 of which you know are attributed to him out of 22 books in the new testament so the majority of the new testament we could say are definitely dealing with the um you know the writings the philosophical musings of paul who did not walk with quote-unquote jesus according to the narrative and again um we're going to be able to revisit this concept um on this morning dealing with the magic of metaphors is this literal or is it figurative you know i'm saying are we supposed to be taking everything word for word in this scripture or are we supposed to be using our imagination as it compels us to do you know uh are these stories from somebody else's imagination you know what i'm saying or are these historical events so we're going to explore some of that um and then i went to i, I found galatians 4 4 um my tagline for the law 44 of course is obey the law and those laws and commandments is is you know it's very much up to your interpretation what it means what law means uh our last sermon last sunday was there could be no law without order. There could be no order without law. So law is very important. You know, the Bible itself is predicated on contracts, on law. All law comes from ecclesiastical law, comes from the book itself. So it's a derivation of law. You know, can man govern himself without, quote unquote, religion, without some set of uh, prescribed organizational structure if left up to his own vices will he not fall in vice if there wasn't a mechanism called religion put in place and the fear of god implemented at the heart of that would man wake up every day on love frequency you know what i'm saying would he be a peaceful uh warrior you know would, would he know himself enough to respect himself or does he need to be constantly reminded who and what he is and what his higher possibilities are so he does not fall into quote unquote negativity 
or continuously replicate what's considered to be the fall of man. You know what I'm saying? And just get into his ratchet self. Does he have to be always reminded of the rewards of righteousness to wake up and choose righteousness over violence every day? And if he does have to be tricked into or reminded or cornered into righteousness, is positivity and righteousness man's default? Or is that the thing that he decides and chooses to do that he has to work harder towards, right? But it's his it's his deep this it's his default backsliding the negativity because he does it so easy and it's so much more part of our history than um you know being in a higher self. So Galatians 4 4 says, But when the set time hath fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law right so i always considered that was was like hmm you know that was pretty strong um the ministries of jesus uh according to the bible you know if you want to be technical it lasted 44 months and four days but also in the art of gematria which is um ascribing a numerical value to a word and gematria is a greek word for geometry so that word now has a shape as well in the art of gematria or the science of gematria we know that um that jesus also equals 444. so does messiah so does lucifer so does muhammad right deuteronomy 444 says this is the law moses set before the israelites um, so there's so many connections and correlations dealing with law and contract um, when it comes to the number 44, especially as it's found in the Bible. Um, and, you know, the shape that it emits or it elicits in your in your mind when you hit a number 44. Again, you should think of a square within a square, a box within a box, a cube within a cube. And. You know, for those that may have just joined us, I will point out that this is our 44th um, episode, epilogue, entry, if you will. But it also is dropping on the date of 3-5, which 3 and 5, you know, added together equal 8. But the number missing between 3 and 5 is the number 4. And 4 is the first number to duplicate itself. 4 is the first integer that you receive at through multiplication and addition by way of the number two. Two is the only number in the historical canons of all numbers that you can add up and get the same result and multiply and get the same result. So two plus two equals four. Two times two equals four. No other number does that. You know what I'm saying? So four is a dimensionality number. It's dealing with the four worlds, right? It's dealing with the meta, which, you know, we have different interpretations interpretations um for what's considered meta but when i when i hear meta i always hear worlds you know what i'm saying um we could say that it means beyond right in its classical sense but i always hear i always hear worlds you know so there are four worlds in hebrew in the classical tradition you know not only was considered Kabbalah, but we could look at it, right, 
and there are four worlds in the tree of life. The tree of life plays such a critical and pivotal role um, in scripture, in the beginning of scripture and the ending of scripture. They're speaking about that tree of life, you know, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be. You know, so this tree of life concept continues to come up. Atsaluth, Briah, Yitzra, Yizra, and Asiah are the four worlds, right, that are constructed in what's considered to be the tree of life. Uh, I don't want to get too Kabbalistic, but any formulation, any emanation, any illustration that you would see of the tree of life, you're looking at what's considered to be the four worlds. There are four worlds intertwined on that tree. And all of that is dealing with manifestation, bringing things down from Ketha, which is the crown, all the way down to Malkuth, which is considered the earth, right? How does one bring a thought from the realm of thought, which is purely electrical from the, the crevices of triple stages of darkness, right? How do you spark a thought, you know what I'm saying, and bring it from darkness into the world of, uh, of manifestation and emanation, okay? So that's, that's the test right there. Um, or that's the illustration, should we say, right there of creativity. That's what the tree of life represents. Um, in biblical scripture, of course, we know that uh, there's so much, once again, parable and allegory and things that, you know, have foreshadowed, you know, not necessarily what it means, but what we think it means, you know. We lean on what we think it means to fit whatever our daily criteria is. But can something be figurative and be, quote unquote, literal at the same time? And where do the instructions come in? Because once again, uh, the higher realms of understanding dealing with scripture, it was always prescribed or set aside for priesthood in particular. Hence the fact that you have to be taught. You have to be part of that secret society of priesthoods of Levites to be taught how to teach the book, how to interpret the book, when to give the literal interpretation, when to give the figurative. It wasn't meant for the everyday lay layman to pick the Bible up and become a priest onto himself. You know what I'm saying? That's just not, I'm not being prejudicial by saying that. It, that's just not how it was set up. It, it was set up in a particular way where you had to be taught you know what I'm saying? Within this understanding of how to deliver water to wine. The water is just me reading the word, right? That's just, you know, expressing the word from my mouth to your ears. The wine is the interpretation of the word, right? The transliteration. When you start unpacking, deciphering, and decoding it, that's how you turn water to wine. You know, um, everybody was not necessarily ordained to do that there was the mundane there was the profane you know things that were for profane that's the things that are not for everybody's ears the mundane are everybody quote unquote and i don't mean to make no distinctions again this is this is not personal it's not on me i'm just giving you the understanding and the interpretation of how these things were put into motion you know what i'm saying initially um, but we retrieved the word, you know what I'm saying? We're going to unpack, uncover it, and get into some of our dialogue for today. 
anybody's new to this channel or new to you know what we do over here this is lion gates ministry the mineral ministries presents sunday service uh i am pope pablo the pagan pope and this is non-denominational mostly conversational sometimes confrontational the way that we uh you know arrive at scripture we go into the book and we deal with the gregorian calendar date for the most part you know the calendar that we're under right now so today is march 5th it reads 3 5 so we'll go to chapter verse 3 5 throughout the book and see where's the semblance where's the commonality you know what i'm saying what, what tone is that 3 5 setting throughout the book and all books well majority of books have third chapters so we'll start reading from the beginning because a lot of the the fifth verse verses are connected and tied to the ones that came before it so let's read through it and see you know what the commonality is you know what was the tone that's being set let's go right to genesis 3 5 3 6 right and this goes right to what i was just speaking about in terms of the tree for god knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye she also and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it so right off the break right off the gun right out the gate right it demands you to in your rational mind come to a fullness and an understanding to say am i literally reading a book that starts off with a talking serpent am i going to accept that as a literal interpretation of something that happened that god created a man and a woman or a woman from a man's rib put them in the garden they was brother and sisters but not a husband and wives and this was his plan his genius plan for the beginning of humanity when a dude goes to take a leak a talking serpent pulls up on his whiz who's also his sis and convinces her to go against him and this is how we're gonna jump this thing off and for time memorial man has fallen and woman has been condemned as being a hoe because they said that's the oldest profession on the planet so it had to start right away in the garden right because you like damn uh, the devil put in work on her before adam could even put in work he ain't even get to put that work in you know what that work is right <laughs> so he he came in from the gate and knocked her right his hoe got knocked on the strip you know what i'm saying you feel me the pimp went back to the caddy um you know to get his glasses or something he came back and his hole was gone he ain't even get to set her out or give instructions or none of that you know what i'm saying his first time on the strip he got knocked you know that's a questionable pimp so you gotta rationalize with your own higher consciousness to say yo is this how because it commands of you to either believe it in its literal sense word for word ball for ball or be clever enough in your infantile mind to have a level of interpretation where now you understand high degree symbolism and you're able to put this together you are a baby now that's supposed to be able to digest steak 
This is what they expect from you straight out the gate. Or you will be what? The fall of man will start with him believing in fairy tales, right? And he's going to need these as his basic instructions before leaving earth. So you need it for reality, but you're receiving it as a fairy tale. How can you decipher the two? Okay. So out the gate, they are setting the criteria in your subconscious mind to look at women as um, no good, right? They're turncoats. You feel me? They're going to set you up, not take responsibility for it. You got to shoulder the blame. And shit, you ain't even get you ain't even get out of day one before now you getting blamed for something that you didn't do that your progeny from here on in from and from then until time memorial you're gonna be bearing the brunt you feel me of your lady finessing you as a result of her getting finessed or exercising her higher mind and utilizing what's considered to be free choice or free will which she was endowed with to beginning in the beginning right that's the separation of what man and angel you got free choice you got free will and the angel was like y'all are not worthy you shouldn't even be in the company of the most high you are inferior beings and then the the and then the big bad uh you know or that particular defiant angel gets casted to earth with one-third of the quote-unquote uh angels that went with them and they become the demons so God already know that he's clever. God already know that he's mad deep. God already know that he got the drop on you because he got here first. But then he's going to send man down here with no game, man down here with no wisdom, man down here with his hands tied behind his back. How you going to fight the devil with two hands tied behind your back? God didn't even do so well squaring up against his own creation. So what hope did he think the man would have with no armor, with no wisdom, with no experience? That was a setup. Let's go on to the next one. Exodus 3, 3 to 3, 6, right? So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. While the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So once again, right away, this is calling upon you in the third book or the third chapter of the second book of the Bible. Are you taking this literal? Right. Is this a metaphor? Or is this a literal story, a historical context, context of a man who encountered God on a mountain and God was so anthropomorphized that he fit on a mountain one or that you can actually look at his face and not go blind too. And then he was minuscule enough to be fit behind and hiding behind a bush that was flaming and on fire. You feel me? So these are the things that are scrambling people's subconscious mind in the back 
but then they got to deal with reality every day. They got to deal with the real world. They got to deal with things that are coming at them 100 miles per hour. But the things that they are utilizing, you know, for for um, criteria to push back on are fairy tales in the back of their minds that may have morals or stories, you know, um, encoded within them. But at what point do they get to decoding and deciphering what this means in symbolism? Because the book was written by poetic prose masters from the from the Far East. These people wrote in poetic prose. You ever read the Quran? Right? You ever read Arabian Nights? You ever read Shakespeare? Right? You ever read the Iliad? Odyssey and all of that? Right? This is who these people are. This is how they wrote. They wrote in allegorical prose. Beautiful poetry. Leviticus 3, 3-3-5. Three right? From the fellowship offering, you are to bring a food offering to the Lord, the internal organs and all of the fat that is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver, which you will remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offerings that is lying on the burning wood. It is a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now, again, is this figurative? Or is this literal? Is this a metaphor for something? Or is God actually asking for animal sacrifice of, 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 of internal organs with the fat connected to them, put on the altar and burnt? And the sweet aroma of the burnt offerings, right, is what pleases the Most High. So is the Most High into animal sacrifice and burnt offerings? Is Does the Most High practice African traditional systems or older traditional systems that arise out of the quote-unquote East? Where are they getting these narratives and these stories from? Is this something that is conscribed to the Hebrew tradition? Is this something that the quote-unquote Jews of today still do? Because this is dealing with Torah. Right? And then, if that's the case, why are you so judgmental against other people who practice these traditions to this day? You're very judgmental about them. You call them all kind of devil worshipers. You feel me? And you castigate them for dealing with animal sacrifice. But in the book, this is the commandments to the priesthood. The children or the sons of Aaron. Aaron is the Levite. He is the original priest. His children are his children. They were the first that he rose up from what I believe in the priesthood. They got killed. By the most high for doing one thing wrong. That's how strict they was when it came to the instructions for carrying out burnt offerings. Right? So are you to believe this literal? Do you still do this to this day? Is the question if that's the case, right? Or is there a higher metaphysical and metaphorical explanation as to what they mean when they're speaking about the fat of the animal and the blood of the animal and the head of the animal placed on the altar beside the blood to the right side of the offering in a canopic jar did they get this from Kemet? 
Deuteronomy 3, 5 to 3, 7. All these cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars. And there were also a great many unwalled villages. We completely destroyed them as we had done with Shihan, king of Hezbon, destroying every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and the plunder from their cities we carried off for ourselves. Once again, this multiplicity of this God of war also being a God of peace, right? And having the chosen people, but being on the head and the helmet of everybody else that was in creation. Are those not also children of the Most High? Who do they belong to if they don't come from God, right? And why did they have such superiority in technology and civilizations to the quote-unquote Hebrews? Who are they deriving their blessings from if they're not children of the Most High? So God is the God of life. He's also the God of death. He's the God of peace. He's also the God of war, right? As much as he be on the head and the helmet, horse of the Israelites and the children of Jerusalem, because he's always castigating them, he's also doing the same thing to their enemies. He don't got no smoke for the Babylonians. That's a whole nother story. But are we to take that literal, Right? Who decides when there's wars in Syria where the Saudi Arabians is fighting the Syrians and they both pray to Allah? Who decides wars when Christians fight Christians? Right? Whose side is God on in slavery times or in apartheid? When our people is going to church every Sunday and giving up, giving up the ghosts and giving up the most. Right. But then after church, they got to deal with. A mass and an overseer who's praying to the same Bible. Let's go to Joshua three, five to three, six. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them again. Now we're speaking about the Ark of the Covenant. Are we to literally believe that the instructions for the construction of the Ark are literal instructions or are they metaphorical? When they talk about the 60 cubits by the 60 cubits, when they talk about the gold cube, when they talk about all of the things that they're speaking on, right? What can they possibly be speaking on? Other than a literal interpretation, is there a figurative interpretation of what's being said? Right? Or are we always to be lost in this stoic, stiff interpretation? Another one, are you to believe this? This is Judges 3, 5 to 3, 7. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's command, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. The Israelites lived amongst the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jubasites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. Right? So these, once again, being God's chosen people, being his preferred pedigree, being his bloodline, being his genetic stock, 
why would they go amongst the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites and mix that heretic stock, right? That preferred bloodline amongst people who they deem to be not worthy or not from God, if not all of these people were children of the Most High. It just makes no sense. 1 Kings 3, 3 to 3, 5. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given to him by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. A thousand. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in the dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. So not only was he making the offerings, but they're saying that, you know, his offerings went through. You feel me? And, and, and there was a level of consecration in the offerings where, you know, he got through to, uh, to God on the hotline and was like, yo, holla at me, homie. You know what I'm saying? I smell the sweet aroma of those burnt offerings. You got my attention. What do you need? Again, you know, anybody who has ever experienced, you know, any African traditional systems is, <laughs> is, is given. That's what is given. Um, two Chronicles 3, 3 to 3, 7. The foundation Solomon laid for building the temple of God was 60 cubits long and 20 cubits wide using the cubit of the old standard. The portico, which are the pillars um, the portico at the front of the temple was 20 cubits long across the width of the building and 20 cubits high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main hall with juniper and covered it with fine gold, and he decorated it with palm trees and chain designs. He ordained the temple with precious stones, and the gold he was he used was, was gold of parviam. He overlaid the ceiling beams, door frames, walls, and doors of the temple with gold, and he carved cherubims on the wall. So Solomon was getting busy. You feel me? Solomon was getting busy laying that gold inside of that temple, lacing it. But stones and crystals were major features, always, always was, always will be. Um, again, you know, we started these mineral ministries because of the castigation in, in, in Christian circles and communities about crystals. And when I did my research, I was like, how sway? Like, how could they be a bit, be against crystals? You know, the, the role in the foundation that the 12 crystals play in biblical texts that something as simple as a stone, the church was built on a rock. Jesus is considered and called the rock. So is God himself. Peter is the rock. But you would have a contemptuous, you know, um, outlook when it comes to people who, who embrace the science and the study of rocks. I, I didn't understand that. Let's go to Ezra 3, 3 to 3, 7. Despite the fear of the peoples around him, they built the altar on his foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices, right? They was running in this shit all day, morning and evening, 
They were just sending up sacrifices. Then in accordance with what, 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 with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all of the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. What are they talking about? That's a whole lot of offerings, burnt sacrifices and offerings. You feel me? And new moon celebrations once again, but they will be the first ones to castigate and call it new age if someone is attempting to do new moon ceremony. Even burning incense for offerings will get you castigated by the quote-unquote modern-day Christians. I don't understand that. Once again, people taking things too literal, running with it, and want to become the uh you know puritanical police of how somebody else shows up for their offerings their sacrifice and their worship right now you're taking on a role of judgment now you're condemning yourself and putting extra weight on your, your heart because you're running with you know this false premise of what this quote-unquote religion actually entails and someone didn't take the time out with you to give you a clear, concise understanding and interpretation of things that are not to be taken literal. Psalms 3, 4 to 3, 6. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie, I lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. You know what I'm saying? Once again, are we to believe that the most high that god itself right the divine ordinator of things through the cosmos the cosmos are vast they said that there was 70 quantillion planets right that they were able to measure quantillion i don't even know how many zeros that is so the quote they gotta be a the god has to be omnipresent omnipotent in all of those dominions and all of those kingdoms Right, but that same God is touching down on mountains. Are we to practically and literally believe that these things happened? Ecclesiastes 3 3 to 3 8. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Right? There's always a prescribed time for things. And the multiplicity of times means that, you know, uh, you might be doing one thing in one time and not necessarily engaging in another thing during another time. You have to know your times. You have to know your seasons. Um, that's an ode, of course, to the number 44, which is a time is a 44 resonated equals 144 in Gematria. 
and it's a 12 by 12 matrix, meaning that there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 12 times 12 is 144. Um, so time for the most part and every, you know, time squared is 12 times 12. You know what I'm saying? Which is 144. So time itself is a 44 resonator. I thought that that was dope on this 44 episode that that Ecclesiastes would, that chapter about time will fall on it like that, you know? Isaiah 3, 4 to 3, 7. I will make mere youths their officials. Children will rule over them, right? Once again, they're speaking about a chastised, a castigated people. Um, if you choose to identify yourself as the children of Israel, you know, you gotta, you, your covenant comes with its curses as well. You know what I'm saying? He's always on the head in the helmet of his own people. They're the ones that he judges the most strenuously, right? If you sign up for this, then you signed up for challenges. You signed up to go through it. You know what I'm saying? You you in the desert during Lent with Jesus going through the temptations, fasting right now. With Shaitan whispering in your ear, if you are the chosen children of the quote-unquote most high, then you got to get the curses and the challenges that come along with that. So isaiah in the dream right because it's also a book that's been based upon premonitions and dreams but people are running with it as if it's literal and they're telling you nah these was dreams y'all these was premonitions these was visions these were apparitions the the bible is built upon supernatural occurrences but people want to be so literal so rational so non-magical and their observation and interpretation of it and then castigate whatever comes along you that is supernatural and magical you want to string it up on a stake and burn it isaiah 3 4 to 3 7. i will make mere youths their officials children will rule over them is that not what's happening in these streets today People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honor. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But in that day, he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or no clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people. Is this not what we're dealing with to this day? Niggas is like, oh, you got 100,000 followers. You be the leader today. You feel me? Oh, you got a good finesse game? You talk to them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you got a thousand likes? You go out here and you give people uh, life instructions and directions. And a nigga do it for two days, scam three people, and be like, nah, I'm good on this and shit. I'm going to go back to um, cooking up crack. Is this not what's taking place? To this day? To this very day right are these people not being led by children are these people not catching up with the children of keeping up with the joneses of 17 year olds you feel me has neighbor not risen up against neighbor man against man right the nobody against the honored isaiah three four three seven three four to three seven right there goes your bars right there let's go to jeremiah three right and again 
this constant re reference or reference to the children of the most high also as prostitutes as whole ass niggas you feel me when they're not following the commandments of the most high according to his contract word for word right he speaks very contemptuously of them if a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man should he return to her again would not the land be completely defiled once again a connection and a correlation using figurative terms and poetic prose to correlate a woman to a land hence the fact all countries are considered feminine right her they call it according to a a woman's name that's how they refer to a country so was eve a woman or was she a nation you feel me was eden a garden or was it a metaphorical place that speaks about the aloft nature of where the most high can actually dwell is it a mind state a state of being or is it a physical location with longitudinal and latitudinal lines that we should be able to go and find if it existed to this day would not the land be completely defiled you have lied you have lived as a prostitute with many lovers would you now return to me he declares the lord look up to the barren heights and see is there any place where you have not been ravished by the roadside you sat waiting for lovers sat like a nomad in the desert you have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness therefore the showers have been with hell and no spring rain have fallen yet you have the brazen look of a prostitute you refuse to blush with shame have you not just called to me my father my friend for my youth will you always be angry will your wrath continue forever this is how you talk but you do but you do all the evil you can he talking crazy this nigga has a hand of a pimp and a vernacular of one too right forgive me father but goddamn son he be showing up talking to them like they hoes on the strip and he calls them hoes on the strip right he like that box is defiled you've been out here getting ravished you on the side of the road right you desert food niggas is pulling up at the rest stop at the truck stop or running through you you giving wet wet in the in in, in, in the bathroom stalls and stuff like that this is how he talked to his people so remember <laughs> you know it's you got to take the bitter with the sweet you want to be these people you got to take what comes with this as well pure castigation and chastisement you feel me he takes the gloves off all right ezekiel 3 and he said to me son of man eat what is before you eat this scroll then go and speak to the people of israel once again is this literal or is this metaphorical are you eating scrolls family are you rolling up a scroll and eating it and then spitting the words out or is this a metaphor right it's like when we say we do the knowledge and we have read something and deciphered it and we ate it scooby snacks these niggas is freestyle rappers using metaphors and we're taking the transcribe the transcripts of a freestyle battle right and these niggas was using metaphors and entendres in a freestyle battle 
and we're running with that like it's literal and we've based our lives off of that people have fallen into slavery people have lost their lives because of misinterpretation so i opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat then he said to me son of man eat the scroll i am giving you and fill your stomach with it so i ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth pause he then said to me son of man Go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel. Not too many peoples of obscure speech and strange language, not to, not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. Right. Presentations. Three. Right. Let's get into it from three, one to three something. I am the man who has been seen, who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. This nigga's a pimp. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. Jesus. Yeah, that's that's lamentations like that's lamenting for real. You feel me? That's lamenting for real. God did that. The big homie. That's a heavy hand. My nigga's really, really out here. Gorilla. Uh, forgive me, Father, for my interpretations. Uh, Daniel 3, the image of God in the blazing furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of God. Now, keep this in mind. Did y'all see the gold cube that they just built in Saudi Arabia? Tell me if this don't remind you directly of that, right? It's truth is stranger than fiction. King Nebuchadnezzar, and then you got to ask yourself, well, where was... Where was these people at originally, right? Where was the Sumerians located geographically if there's such a place that they existed on the planet? King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then sub summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up so the satraps prefects governors advisors treasurers judges magistrates and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that king nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and people of every language this is what you are commanded to do as soon as you hear the sound of the horn flute zither lyre harp Pipe and all kinds of music 
You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So in Saudi Arabia, where they have the black cube of Kaaba, where Muslims circumscribe it seven times, right, for Hajj, they have built a gold cube in the middle of the desert, almost as a, a, a homage to man's architectural prowess, you know, and it's gold. They don't even use gold in Muslim tradition. Men don't wear gold jewelry. Why are they setting up something of a gold artifice to rival what's already the black cube of cabal in Saudi Arabia? I don't understand that. That would be considered haram, I would think. But anyway, you know, it, uh, so let's read the rest of this because this is interesting. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship uh, yeah, it will be blown, thrown into a blazing furnace, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Sadric, Masak, and Abegnago, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your God nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Hosea 3, right? A lot of pimp talk. Let's get back to it. Hosea's reconciliation with his wife. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, although she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they can turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Right? So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a hammer and a lectil of barley. Then I told her, you ought to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephoth or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king. Right? Whole lot of pimp talk. Whole lot of pimp talk. The nation's judge. In those days and at, this, and at that time when I restored the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people amongst the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. Now, what have you against me, Tyre and Sidon and all you regions of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own, return on your own heads what you have done. This is once again the big homie castigating and talking to his subjects, right? Like a pimp. For you took my silver and my gold and carried off my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks. 
that you might send them far from their homeland. Oh, this is crazy. So this is some abusive stuff, man. See, I am going to rouse them out of the places to which you sold them, and I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, a nation far away. The Lord has spoken. Proclaim this amongst the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weaklings say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Je Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes. For the wine press is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. We need a we need an interpretation. Right? We need an interpretation because this cannot be taken literal. And this misinterpretation has led to so much confusion, so much violence right so much literal lethargy right has led to so much pain you feel me across the planet by people taking these words literal which they cannot or should not be taken in a literal sense and if so right then again the, the chastisement that shit is relegated to the people who consider themselves the children of israel because who would want to sign up for this? And what did Jesus die for? If there's so much pain and punishment that comes with being a quote-unquote human in this world. Amos 3. Witnesses summoned against Israel. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have you. Only have I chosen of all of the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your sins. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has not caught anything? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has war. Who will not fear? Right? Interpreted as the sovereign Lord has spoken. So is this literal or metaphorical? Right? Or is it figurative speak? Is it poetic prose? The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophecy? Proclaim to the fortresses of Ashad and to the fortresses of Egypt. Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria. See the great unrest within her and the oppression amongst her people. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord, who store up in their fortresses what they have plundered and looted. Therefore, this is what the 
sovereign Lord says, an enemy will overrun your land, pull down your strongholds and plunder your fortresses. This is what the Lord says, as a shepherd rescues from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or a piece of an ear, so will the Israelites living in Samaria be rescued with only the head of a bed and a piece of a fabric from a couch. So I'm like, yo, if this whole book is about God himself putting judgment and chastisement on the people of the children of Israel, now how are we supposed to look at World War II and be judgmental about how that thing played out if all of this was promised in all of scripture? That he would be on a head and a helmet and allow other men to overrun their nations and plunder them. And when he rescued them, it's like pulling the remaining ear out of the mouth of a lion as after he has had lunch. Right? That's what he said in the book. Look, Micah 3. Leaders and prophets rebuked. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. Should you not embrace justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot, my nigga. Once again, is this to be taken figuratively or metaphorically? Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. My guy. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgrace. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions, to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, is not the Lord amongst us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. What are we complaining about? What are we complaining about? If this is to be taken literal, then everything has been done as promised. But we also should take a look, step back, you know, look at our clocks and say, let's take a fair assessment in time as to where we're at as a people, because all of these things seem to be playing out. You know? There's so many... Um, in, in this one, there's so many examples we can use, you know, in scripture uh, on these threes. H Habakkuk three. I like the Hab Habakkuk 
Habakkuk, these are books that are often overlooked in the Bible, but they're in there nonetheless. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigeonoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon, the holy one from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like a sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. So this is almost like. He's saying he represents earthquakes. You know, when he steps on this planet, nations tremble, old mountains fall. It, you remember the scenes out of Turkey and Syria? These are a people who um, are in very much, you know, they're very much Muslim, but they're also at war. Brother is fighting brother. The politics have overridden the land. They have become very sectional you know, in terms of their tribalism. Both of them pray to Allah, you know what I'm saying? But tragedy has befallen them all. You know what I'm saying? Does it, is it, is it, is it, did it even interrupt the fighting long enough for people to gather the bodies and get into mourning or they write back into fighting and warring? Are those things politically driven or is it based on religion? You know? Zephaniah 3. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She, you can't even um, status correct her. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves who leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are unprincipled. They are treacherous people. Her priests profane the sanctuary and do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justice. And every new day, he does not does not fail. Yet the unrighteous know no shame. So in the inner sanctum of this temple, which has been corrupted and, and is fallen, and the inner sanctum is the holies of the holies. That's how the ark is even built. You feel me? But this temple has been defiled. This nation of Israel, these children of, quote unquote, the most high, our people, if you will, is who they're speaking of. Right. We should not take this figurative as poetic language. It is beautiful prose not to be taken literal, but metaphorical. Right. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves. They're not speaking about actual things they're speaking about figurative things jerusalem remains unrepentant i have destroyed nations their strongholds are demolished i have left their streets deserted with no one passing through their cities are laid waste they are deserted and empty of jerusalem i thought surely you will fear me and accept correction then her place of refuge would not be destroyed nor all my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all that they did. 
So no matter how much destruction, no matter how much contempt, no matter how much chastisement comes to these people that are the chosen ones amongst the Most High, they still fall into corruption. They still fall into, you know what I'm saying, contempt of their covenant. Who does that sound like? It sounds like both people who are laying claim right now to be the children of the Most High or the quote-unquote Jews, if you will. <laughs> both of them. Zechariah 3. Clean garments for the high priest. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Again, this is another vision. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin. I will put and I will put fine garments on you. So again, another connection and a correlation with figurative speech to saying filthy clothes represent sin. We're clothed in sin. We're clothed in filth, right? Fine garments or white garments dealing with purity. That is dealing with the absolution of sin. You're no longer in sin. You're dealing with pureness and purity. This is all figurative metaphorical speech, y'all. Let's not get trapped into literalism. Then he said, I put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave his charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements and you will govern my house and have charge of my courts and i will give you a place among these standing here listen high priest joshua you and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come i am going to bring my servant the branch so who is he talking about of course he's talking about jesus right servant the branch an extension of the tree of life let's go to revelations 3 5 right the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white i will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels again another clear concise correlation and connection to whiteness dealing with purity to whiteness dealing with wholesomeness to whiteness dealing with you know what i'm saying the light of christ if you will you know what i'm saying uh uh cleansiness right Let's finish on this. Jesus, uh, Hebrews 3, Jesus is greater than Moses, right? Because it's dealing with he came to correct the quote-unquote law. There's different interpretations of what that law means. Some people think it's a dietary law. Some people think that, you know, that law is dealing with the quote-unquote nations, you know what I'm saying? Expanding the word to the nation of families beyond just the Israelites or the, the people of Jerusalem, Right? Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, uh, which again is symbolic of your higher mind, right? Whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed to him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. 
Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what will be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. But we are his house. If indeed we hold him firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. So again, nonstop continuous references to things that are symbolic in the Bible, right? In a clear, concise ex explanation and understanding of what these symbols mean. When they speak about the house, they're speaking about the people. But they also, when they speak about the temple, they're speaking about your body. You feel me? So there's a micro-macro connection and correlation as well. You really have to have an a, a, a open mind for transliteration and interpretation when reading scripture to get the fullness of it and not to fall into the literalism and get caught up in dogmatism. You feel me? And then turn into a zealot. You dig what I'm saying? And those are the people who have done harm to other people in the name of scripture, which when it is purely, you know, for the most part, figurative and metaphorical. Right. So I think that we're going to end here. Um, this has been a, a beautiful opportunity, you know, to walk with you on this 44th uh, epilogue or episode and speak about the magic of metaphors, you know, and how they can twist reality and even trap our imagination. But if if we get out of literalism, then we could appreciate the beauty of the poetry, the beauty of the 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 correlation, you know, of the words, whoever wrote this, you know what I'm saying? The the magic of their metaphors. You feel me? That we would be so trapped up in this um illustration, if you will. You know what I'm saying? That we're so trapped up with it, we're literally taking it literal. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. You know, my good brother Angel. 44. 44. Yeah. 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 Good job, man. Good yeah, job. A lot of powerful epic. information. Thank you. Man. Yes, yes. I hope you guys enjoying this. Let me just say something too. You know, the brother puts a lot of work into, you know, bringing this information to the platform. Um, I say that to say we've been doing this forty-four weeks, and then, you know, donations here and there. It doesn't make a difference, you know what I'm saying? But it's just the point of the information that she's compiling, doing, taking the time out, but it's not really being reciprocated. Because out of forty-four weeks, one person. And, it was, and it's funny to me because they put 44. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted you to keep that in mind because reciprocate his energy, his time, too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, other than that, that's it. Thank God for being yeah. here. It, again, you know, these are people that God was talking about in all of these scriptures. Like, you know, <laughs> no matter how much I do, no matter how much I show you, no matter, you know what I'm saying? That people still can be. They're they going to be the same people out the book. You feel me? And there's a lot more passages. There's a lot more time spent on them being in error, of them being contemptuous, of them being non-appreciative, of them being the thing that needs to be redeemed than there is of them in their redemption. You know, that comes at the end of the book. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, 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 you know, when you sign up for this, you kind of got to know, you know what I mean? that uh you know 
it is what it is you feel me but at the end of the day you know the family has known for 44 weeks that you have received something this pure something that comes from our heart something that's in love and light something that will stand a test of time something that is a, a testament and a testimony to uh divine law and divine mathematics like i said today our 44th episode dropped on three five you know what i'm saying to me that that's enough that that's that's within everything that just shows um alignment to just shows being in purpose being on time in our quantum selves you know um so yeah yeah the the, the beauty is still beautiful at the end of the day yeah 44 priceless weeks of information and um yeah you know hopefully the family will see the value in it and make a contribution we don't we don't consider you know tithing is is again another misinterpretation of scripture you are not supposed to give 10 percent. you're supposed to tap into that aspect and part of your you know of yourself you know you're dealing with 10 percent of yourself right now um in your left brain you know in your conscious mind you know what i'm saying in that in the literal part of who you are you are locked into the you are a 10 percent in that regards but there's 90 percent that awaits you you know in your right brain and you're at the right hand of god you know what i'm saying dealing with imagination and appreciation you know what i'm saying so all of those things are the things that await you you know only open hands can receive blessings so don't be so tight fist you know what i'm saying make, make a contribution make a donation um you got a link of where they could do that yeah i'm just gonna put this one in for right now black flag cash out yeah and shout out to Rashada. She's in the building. Um, I, I ain't here today. I ain't see her pop in today. Okay. It's probably somewhere in the rock meditating. You know how she do. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the, the info for the people though, real quick. So like, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I said drop the info for them real quick. Uh, oh, yeah, put it in the Black Flag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dollar sign, Black Flag. Uh, we do appreciate you, family. Uh, uh, again, Lion Gates Mineral Ministry presents This is the Magic and Metaphors, episode 44, courtesy of your brother Paul Pablo. And it has been an honor, um, you know, to share this wisdom and this information, this uh, interpretation, um, these transliterations of scripture that we get a better understanding and not be trapped into literalism and miscommunication. So, uh, again, you know, I, I honor the fact that you honored, you know, this uh, this episode enough to to stick around and receive this light. Exactly. So until um until we meet again on these same frequencies, y'all be safe, <clears throat> be dangerous, be safe, study your soul, ourselves, prove, and keep pushing the envelope keep challenging yourself you know yeah and, and, and um, like I said, we're ready, we're yeah ready to just make what we'll, okay we'll yes family right, dig, well. dig deeper y'all you know for understanding and interpretation you know what i'm saying all of this stuff uh that the bible speaks with a double tongue i didn't say a forked tongue but a double tongue and all of this can be extracted when you do the research they say it themselves 
that they did not make this information available to the common layman. They're telling you one thing on the surface and it has another meaning and interpretation, you know what I'm saying, on, on the backside of things. So you have to extract it. You got to find the meaning yourself. You know, I'm giving you some ideas and some clues, but, you know, this is not the end all be all either. And so you can figure it out uh, for yourself. However, it best sits with you and fits with you, you know, but do the knowledge, do the research, do the studies. There's so much more of yourself is still out there for you to learn about yourself. All right. But you're going to need you're going to need your mind back in order to do that. So I want to get you up out of the fairy tales long enough that you can smell the roses while they're here. That part. All right. Appreciate y'all. Peace out. Well. Peace. We out. All right. Again.